for years I thought I was saved till last night and I got home. And the Lord was dealing with me and I, I called Bradley and I, I got saved last night. Amen. <laughs> I feel so much better this morning. Yes. I just can't wait to get there now. Amen. Amen. It's been after you for a while, ain't yeah. it? Yeah. She, she sent me a message last night. She said, Preacher, are you home? I said, no, I've not left the church. And she said, uh, I said, what do you need? She said, I don't think I'm saved. And I said, well, come on down here. And I'm going to be honest with you. I sat down in my office and tried to talk her. I didn't try to talk her out of it, but I was like, tell, you, tell, me, about when, tell me about when you got saved. Let's, let's talk through this. And she said, uh, she said, well, I, she said, I went and prayed at a Christmas play, but she said, I'm telling you, I've never felt no change. I never have none of that. I said, I'll tell you what I think. I think you probably need to be saved then. Amen. Amen. Because all that matters in the end is whether or not you know it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was talking to a young man this week. He's had a lot of questions. I told him, I said this. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I've stood beside the bedside of saints of God and held their hand. Brother Nelvis took their last breath. Big old smile come on their face. They can look into glory. I'm telling you, I've, I'm talking about what I've seen with my own two eyes. And I've also worked scenes and wrecks and whatnot where people were dying and screaming their way to hell. I've seen both sides. Uh, and when you've seen that, uh, it's too late to convince me that this ain't real. When you've witnessed that, you can't convince me that this ain't real. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number six. Rachel says I keep it as cold as the Rocky Mountains in here. I got on 71. I'm going to get what I'm, I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to get us a ladder and get up there and adjust them vents just a little bit where they ain't blowing right on people. I think that's part of the problem. And then I'm going to put me in a, a thermostat that I can adjust from the pulpit <laughs> so I don't have to walk back and forth. But I turned it off so y'all will warm up very quickly. Galatians chapter number six. I want to read verse number seven. It started rolling there a little bit. I thought, well, I just won't preach. The Lord said, no, I sent you with a message. You preach. Be not deceived, the Bible said. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, as we come in your presence, we thank you, Lord, for another opportunity that you've given us to be out the house of God. Lord, you know who's here today and you know what they need. Lord, you've been meeting needs around this altar this morning and for that, I'm eternally grateful. God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us today to share with the people the word of God that you've laid on our heart. Do that as only you can and we'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. These verses that I read to you this morning, they're familiar. And probably everybody in here has uh, heard these verses as Paul is 
writing this letter to the Galatians. Now, this is a background. This is interesting to me. Galatians was probably Paul's first letter, probably the first letter he wrote. The church at Galatia he had established on his first missionary journey. But what had happened was in Paul's absence, Brother Neil, there was some false teachers that had snuck in to the church at Galatia and had taught another gospel. At one time, this church, Paul says, would have plucked out their eyes and gave them to Paul. I mean, they were that dedicated to the word of God and they were that dedicated to the man of God. But Paul said this to the Galatian church. He said, you've been bewitched. He said, there's some false teachers that have slithered their way in and they have bewitched you to believe another gospel. And so the entirety of the book of Galatians is written uh, by Paul to these people that he loves and he is trying to correct he is trying to correct this doctrinal error. I'm gonna say this to you this morning. The church cannot be defeated by Satan. If Satan could defeat the church, he would have already have done it. This church will never be destroyed by Satan. I'm gonna tell you the only people that have the power to destroy Concord Baptist Church and it's the people that are sitting in these church pews today. And it's, uh, it's if we allow things to come in that shouldn't be in and allow, that's how that happens. And so Paul is trying to instruct them and in order to do this, he says, I'm going to teach an object lesson and he brings them to the farm. He takes them down to the farm and he teaches them about sowing and reaping. Now, there's some interesting thing that is learned here, there is this law of sowing and reaping. Let me just throw that out to you. Number one, you reap what you sow. That's what Paul said. He said, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. At my house, I've got a garden. And I took some of uh, uh, Pansy's beans that Miss Pansy left us and I put them in the ground and I uh, covered them up a few weeks ago and hopefully in the next day or two they're going to start sticking their head through. And you know what's going to come up in the rows that I set beans in? Guess what's going to come up? Beans. The rows that I set full of corn, guess what's going to come up? Corn. That's the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. And that has been true in my life over and over and over again. When I've lived like the devil, I've reaped hell. When I've done wrong, I've reaped wrong. When I've, reaped, when I've done good, I've reaped good. So you reap what you sow. But now listen to this. You reap after you sow. That's a law of reap, sowing and reaping. And then thirdly, you reap more than you sow. You see, I put out a, a couple of beans through that through the, through the rows there, but my intention, my expectation is that I will get many beans back from those few beans that I put out. And so Paul is reminding the Galatians. He said, if you live like the devil and if you sow to the flesh, you're gonna, of the flesh, reap corruption. You're gonna reap more than you sow. Now this isn't the only time that Paul took the, uh, took the church to the farm. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave 
gave the increase. In 2 Timothy 2, 6, uh, he said, the husbandman that laboreth uh, must be first partakers uh, of the fruit. Uh, did you know this? Uh, I believe that farmers are the Lord's uh, favorite occupation. Uh, again and again, the Lord uses farming uh, uh, to, to as an example for the things that he is teaching. Uh, I, I find where the Lord likened preaching uh, into the sowing of seed in Luke 8. Uh, he liked his relationship to the church as to being the true vine. Uh, in John 15, uh, he told the parable of the unfruitful fig tree in Luke 13. Uh, and again and again, the Bible said uh, that a man that is an effective Christian is fruitful. Uh, and so we see that this farming, it's, it's, a, it's a, a continually front and center. God takes people to the farm. So I'm preaching a real simple message this morning. I want to preach on some lessons learned from the farm. Some lessons learned from the farm. Let me just give you these real quick. Number one, we learn from the farm that there is a price to be paid. Farming, and those of you that have done any farming, you'll say amen when they're right here. Farming is very much a pay, a, a invest now and reap later kind of business. In farming, you don't turn over a profit overnight. You've got to wait in order for the crop to come in, and so there is an upfront payment to be made. And can I say to you this morning that when it comes to living a Christian life, when it comes to, to living for God and pleasing God, it requires an upfront payment. If you want to receive on the back end, you've got to first pay on the front end. If you want to receive the blessing, you've got to pay up front. But here's what we want to do in our current Christian day. We want to, we want to reap the overflow of God's blessing, my friend, without ever having paid in anything on the front side. How we want God to manifest himself real in our life without us having to give up anything. Thing. And we live in this time of Christian living where we think we should just, God bestows us this. God should just do this for us. But I'm going to tell you, it takes some investing on the front end. And so there's this investment that has to be made. There's the investment of the farmer. The farmer has to buy land, he has to buy equipment, he has to buy seed. But you know who pays the greatest price on the farm? I tell you, praise the greatest price on the farm, and that's the seed. You know what the Lord said? He said, except the corn of a wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bring forth much fruit. That he said right as he was coming on his triumphant entry into Jerusalem just a week prior to his death, he was speaking of his own death. He said, the, he said I am the seed. I, I've got to go in the ground and die. But if I die, I'll be resurrected. That's the picture of that plant coming up out of the ground. And he said, I'll bring forth much fruit. I'm going to tell you this morning, everybody in here that's saved by the grace of God, you're here as a testimony that the Lord was obedient and that he paid the ultimate price and that he died at Calvary and that he was raised the third day and the seed was passed on to your life and now you have life and have it more abundantly because of the price that the seed paid. And so there is a price, a price to be paid. 
But then there is a process to be accomplished. I got a big garden this year and I think it's hilarious really. Sometimes I sit and think about it and I think it's hilarious because for years I told Rachel, I said a pastor hadn't ought to ever grow a garden. Because I said I got a church full of people that grow gardens and they bring me stuff. And so why should I get out and toil and labor and sweat in a garden? And I'd see these old men out with their straw hats on and then in the sun and hoeing and I'd think, what a bunch of idiots. Why would anybody choose to do that? I was made to do it, but why would anybody choose to go out in their garden, sweat pouring down and pulling the hoe? But the older I get, the more value I see in it. I can get out there in the garden, I got no cell signal and just messing around and see stuff grow and see things happen. I ain't got nobody bothering me. And boy, and I'm telling you, and I, all of a sudden I'm like, well, I see now. My daddy, I'm gonna tell this on him, my daddy, growing up, we'd go on vacation and daddy would disappear. And I'd think, where'd daddy go? Well, he'd went for a run or he'd went down to, to do this or he'd went down to do that and he'd just be gone. And then I got kids of my own. I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but little kids running around on vacation, it's like, oh, I now know why I'd get up in the morning and go, where's daddy? Because sometimes you just need a break. Run away, just need a break. And that's the way it is in the garden. You can get down there and you can be by yourself and you can be alone, but there is a process and one of the processes is a clearing process. Let me tell you something that I love about garden. Maybe you'll say amen right here. If you have a garden and you got, got vegetables growing, let me tell you what else you've got growing in your garden, weeds. I ain't never planted no weeds. I ain't never watered no weeds. I ain't never fertilized no weeds. I ain't never went and took care of the weeds. Now them little motor plants, I take care of them last year. I bought stuff at Fox Brothers. You couldn't even pronounce the name of it. We'll glow in the dark for what motors we eat last year. I was just trying to kill the blight. I was praying with everything. Try to kill the blight. But you know what? I doctored and I bought stuff and I sprayed them. Them confounded things still died. They still died. Right next to them is a bunch of weeds. The healthiest bunch you ever seen just grinning. Now I'm gonna tell you tonight or this morning the same is true in your Christian life. If you wanna cultivate good things, you've gotta work at it. Nobody's ever done the right thing by accident. Nobody ever said, whoops, I did the right thing there. Nobody ever messed up and did the right thing. If you want to cultivate a good Christian life, it requires a clearing process. You've got to work at it. Because let me tell you something. The weeds the devil will put in your life and he'll see to it that they grow. You don't have to do a thing. The weeds in your life will grow. If you sit idle, they'll pop up everywhere. You ain't got to do nothing. And so there is this continual clearing process. For three weeks now, I've been talking to my Sunday school class out of Philippians 2 on let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Brother Allen mentioned it last time he opened up Sunday school about clearing out our mind and, and kind of the clutter that is around us. 
And I'm gonna tell you, I've got a beautiful garden and I tilled that thing because I didn't wanna have to hoe so much this year. I tilled it 50 times. You walk through that thing, you'd mar up to your knees. It's like walking in soft sand. I didn't want no weeds to deal with this year. But I've already got some weeds poking through and I know what that means. That means we have to get down there with the hoe. I'm gonna have to dig the weeds out around my, are you hearing me? I'm gonna tell you something. When you live your Christian life, I worry about people that never come to the altar. I don't know how you do it. There's times, buddy, when I get weeds growing in my life. There's times when the weeds start to choke out the good stuff. I've gotta get in an altar and clean out and clear out. I gotta declutter my mind. I gotta get to thinking about the right. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? Hey, the weeds start to clutter up. and that, So there is a clearing process and it never ends. It never ends. You can go chop the weeds out of the garden. What you got next week? Weeds. Go chop them out. What you got next week? Weeds. Listen to me. You and I live in a crooked and a perverse world is what Paul told the Philippian church. And we live in the midst of it and there's weeds all around and we've got to work at keeping our mind clear of the weeds. Now watch this. Not only is there a clearing process but it has to be a committed process. What do you mean, preacher? Well, many live the Christian life as if they are cramming for school. Let me tell you a story, and I never dreamed I'd ever tell this with my mom and daddy here, but I'll tell it anyhow. The the statute of limitations is over. (laughs) When I went off to college, my second semester, I walked into a great big auditorium, and it was a biology class. And I sat down and here's what the teacher said. The teacher, she got up and she said, listen, y'all are adults now. 